so high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama! Oh my mama made it, ma! Anything's possible! Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance at All the real Celtics fans in attendance This the truth like 34 This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars The crowd goes crazy Most in-depth coverage on the daily Mainly podcast royalty The content kings When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings Focus like Danny at the deadline Global with it got a local feel like the red line The blue line, the green line Play it in between time I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime And press play When the F's done I can't wait until the next day Trying to stay in tune with the C's That's the best way Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, I hope you're enjoying this show, which is a Monday through Friday podcast, five days a week. Still going strong with the daily podcast. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal, and I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. This book that I'm holding up on the YouTube page, which is available right now everywhere books are sold, and you can get a signed copy on my website, johncorrales.com, for $30. Today is a mailbag episode. Off-season means Fridays are wide open, so I'm making every Friday a mailbag day. So if you've got questions, you can tweet at me. You can go to my website, johncorrales.com. Use the contact form to send me an email and ask me a question that way. However you want to do it, send me the message. Friday will be mailbag day for the foreseeable future, unless a game, maybe an Olympic game or something big trumps it. So that's the plan. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And I do enjoy answering your questions. So let's not wait. We've got questions here about the Olympics, about guys that we might sign. Kelly Olenek, name drop. A bunch of point guard questions, and I'm going to start segment one here with a bunch of coaching questions because obviously the coach is the big new thing that's that's happened in the Celtics uh, Celtics world this offseason. So we're going to dive into that right away. Winfred Fields at iWinfred uh, says, seems like we have Will Hardy, Damon Stoudemire, Aaron Miles, and Garrett Jackson all added to the mix. What do we know about these coaches? Will Hardy coached with Ime Udoka over in San Antonio. He was one of the top people over there. And I was talking to Jeff Garcia of Lockdown Spurs, and there was some question there. They thought Will Hardy or Becky Hammond could be the successor. People in, in San Antonio seem to be jockeying to be uh, Greg Popovich's successor. Hardy was one of those guys. He is one of their top assistants, and he had coached their summer league. So he started out in their video room, one of those video room to the assistant coach type stories, and he's looking to become a head coach. There's no doubt about that. So he's joining Udoka here and is a well-rounded guy. Damon Sotomayor, I've talked about him a little bit. Obviously, we know him as the former point guard, but he had a big impact defensively at Pacific. They were one of the better, uh, their, their defense uh, improved uh, a bunch under him. Uh, also, a guy that uh, Ime Udoka has known for a while. I think what we're going to see here is that Adoka is putting together a staff of people that he knows he can trust people that go back with him. And it's a, it's a tight inner circle of, of people. And so 
I can't blame him. I can't say that I blame him at all because if I had an opportunity to hire my close friends that I knew could do a certain job, I, I would do that because I know I could trust them. So that's the the case with Aaron Miles and Garrett Jackson, two Portland, Oregon guys. Miles uh, played with Udoka in the G League. Uh, was you know they're they're kind of like their time is intertwined. He was the developmental guy for the Golden State Warriors. He coached their G League team. So he's coming in, and I assume he's going to be handle a lot of the player development type stuff there. Although all the coaches are player development coaches. Guys get in with their their they're all kind of assigned. Uh, and I'll get to this question. In fact, let me just fold this in here from Riley Rossellini. Could you dive into the specialties of assistant coaches and what their appeal is? Uh, who would be the top assistant? Who will help out the most with offense for the defensive minded Udoka? Who is, uh, or is there still a guy we need to get help in that regard? He throws out Jeff Hornacek's name. So I think Will Hardy will have a little bit more hand in the offense, but I think all of these guys will have their own say. I don't know that he's putting together a strict offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator type of system. That's something that when we get an opportunity to talk to Udoka, who's now with Team USA, when we get an opportunity to talk to him, Maybe we'll have uh, some clarity there, but for now, uh, you know, Aaron Miles, he's a former point guard, so he and Damon Stoudemire, I think, will have an impact on the point guards here in in Boston. They, like I said, Stoudemire was strong in the defense when he was head head coach at Pacific. Uh, Miles will will have some level of that, but he might be working with the younger guys. Garrett Jackson, another Portland guy, a former player. Much like Udoka was more of a wing slash big three, four type of guy. And he'll just, it's another former player on the staff. So in general here, what we have is former players and now coaches who I think are looking to relate to the players. We're looking for relatability with the players. I think the assistant coaching staff is is a tight-knit group with Udoka guys that he can trust. He talked about a high energy group, which this will be. He's not leaning on former head coaches, although Will Hardy, like I said, coached the summer league. So he's he's run things. Damon Stoudemire was a head coach in college. Uh, Aaron Miles has um, G League coaching, head coaching experience. So there is, there is some level of coaching experience kind of folded and interwoven throughout this uh, assistant coaching staff. And while I have advocated for a former head coach to be on the staff, I do I do acknowledge that having Brad Stevens around does add that element. So so that might be something that Udoka might not feel that he needs. And if he needs any sort of former NBA head coach type of stuff to lean on, he can lean on Brad Stevens and and in a way where it doesn't have to, he doesn't have to listen to it during a game, but afterwards he can say, Hey, what about this? What about that? What did you think? Do you think I should have done something differently? I'm sure Brad Stevens, and he has said so, is not going to just come out and say, Ooh, you should have done blah, blah, blah. Like he's, he's going to let Udoka kind of finish, you know, figure it out. And when Udoka needs some advice and comes to Brad for advice, Brad will give it to him, but 
I don't think he's going to offer a lot of unsolicited stuff. He might try to sneak in some unsolicited stuff just in the guise of, hey, let's talk about this game last night. What did you see? And try to steer a conversation towards a place where he can offer his opinion. That's a nice little trick. You, you, can, you can give advice by not giving advice. You know, uh, talk about a situation and he could say, you know, I always thought like my, my plan was always to do blah, blah, blah. So it was good to see that you might've done this, or it was interesting that you did, did this because I liked to use this guy in this way. And, you know, this is a different thing for him just to slide in a little bit of advice, a little bit of, you know, Hey, just chew on this without offering the advice, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Winfred also asks, um, what does Miles hiring mean for Allison Feaster? Does she move to GM? Any news in the front office shaping up? There's no news in the front office. And Allison Feaster is is the vice president of, or she's she's not like a player development coach like Miles would be. She is more in charge of like bigger picture stuff. So it doesn't mean anything for her whether they hire a GM or she is in the mix for the GM, as we've talked about before on the podcast. Uh, so we'll see. N- nothing new from Brad Stevens there. But um, I think this Miles Miles hiring doesn't mean anything as far as that. She's still going to have her role as far as what she's been doing if nothing happens there. Nick McLeod asks, what kind of culture do you think Ime will try to create? And how much do you think this can help the team? He also says much love from Scotland. Shout out to Nick McLeod from Scotland. Um, love the international listeners. Every international listener, whether you are, no matter where you are, you know, England, Scotland, a lot of lot of people from, you know, shout out to my, you know, brethren from Greece. Uh, people, I, I look at the the statistics. You know, Australia, obviously, uh, Asia, you know, all across. The Southeast Pacific, it, it's just amazing that there, there's this reach from the podcast. Uh, so shout out to all of the international listeners. So the culture that Udoka is trying to create is, you know, I think there's a level of personal responsibility that he has has mentioned and I think is is heavily focused on. And I think just the culture of, you know, hard work and accountability, that's, that's going to be... From from everything that we've seen, from the players that he's brought in, the, um, the 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 former players that he's brought in, the the energy that he's trying to create from the bench is so a high energy, hard work, lots of you know, lots of encouragement, lots of you know, working with one another, uh, all positive kind of stuff, but direct, you know, accountability stuff like. We're all going to work together. We're going to, you know, bust our asses. And if something screws up, we're going to say, hey, I hand up. I did this wrong. Or if if he offers up his coaching and says, you did something wrong, then you have to be able to take that and have the conversation and say, well, this is what I saw and this is why I did it. And you have that back and forth. This isn't an authoritarian, I'm the coach. You must listen to me. This is going to be a conversation. This is a partnership. And that's part of what the NBA coaching relationship is with the players. It's, it is a partnership. So, but I think the the hard work and accountability is something that they're really, really going to focus on. So, and that's that's what Boston. I think that's what this team 
can can use a little bit more of. I think they just need to understand that there is a level of sacrifice from everybody that that may mean like maybe you don't play your game a hundred percent the way you want to, but you're going to play your role. You're going to do it well. And in the end, you're going to benefit because all of those coaches on the bench are going to understand that. You know what? We know that this is, you, you're going to go get your money. You want to go get your money. That's, we understand that everybody in that, on that coaching staff can be able to say, we get it. You want to get your money. And there's a lot of money out there to get. This is how you're going to get it while helping us win. If you win, you're going to get paid. Winners get paid. So play your role, do it well. If we win, guess what? We want to keep you, but if you want to, if you have to go, then you go, but the winning will get you paid. So that accountability uh, is going to be something that is big with Udoka. And Derek will finish up this segment here. Do you think the EMA hire will attract more free agents to Boston now? Um, I don't think, I, I look at the, the free agent to Boston thing as a little bit of an overblown storyline because there haven't been a ton of, it's not like Boston has missed a lot of free agents, right? Like there's this story of, uh, you know, free agents don't normally come to Boston. Well, Boston hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity to sign free agents. And when they did, they got Al Horford and everything else has been a trade. They haven't had a max slot and said, uh, Hey, you know, let's, let's get this guy. And, you know, it, it only happened with Kevin Durant and, you know, he went to, he went to golden state that that's it. And not a problem there for me. So, but I do think that Ime Udoka in, in the coaching staff and, and if there's success that will lead to Boston being a, a more attractive just destination just in general, um, because players are going to want to see, like, obviously you see his, his performance there in on team USA. And I think the way things have gone uh, there, the, the reputation that he's built, I think a player is going to look at that and say, yeah, I want to, I want to be a part of that uh, or, or is more likely to say, I want to be a part of that. Right. So yes, I think Udoka is going to have a, a much more positive impact in that regard. But at the same time, the Celtics aren't going to have a whole lot of free agent money to spend. So when I say attract more free agents, like who's that going to be? The Celtics aren't going to have free agent money to spend for a long time. I think what we might see is the Celtics have success and then you'll see ring chasers, but that will happen regardless. Ring chasers are going to chase rings. doesn't matter who the coach is. Going to come back with questions about point guards. Big point guard segment coming up next after I tell you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season back in action, although the Red Sox not so much after a COVID outbreak in New York. But whenever the games do get played, played again, you can bet on that. Whatever it is, basketball, the, the NBA Finals, uh, anything internationally, WNBA, it's all there. So go over to Bet Online, use your laptop, use your mobile device, whichever it is. Create your free account, create a username, a password. Use the promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. So whatever you deposit, 100 bucks, $50 welcome bonus. 200 bucks, $100 welcome bonus. I'm not great at math, but I can do 50% and tell you that that 50% welcome bonus is pretty good when you use the promo code Locked On on your first deposit. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game with Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. 
Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And I enjoyed the hell out of Giannis Antetokounmpo's block with a minute or so left in game four. Uh, That block on DeAndre Ayton was better than LeBron's. I have declared it so. Better than LeBron's. And I went on the Locked On NBA YouTube page. If you're watching this on YouTube, go over to Locked On NBA YouTube page. You'll see the video that I and Matt Peck of Locked On Bulls did together. A 14-minute video exclusively on the Locked On NBA page declaring that better than LeBron's finals block. I know what you're going to say about LeBron and the timing and the game seven and all of that. That's all important. This block, the degree of difficulty to show on the pick and roll, turn around and block that lob was harder to do. Much more difficult to pull off. Giannis did it. Amazing. Finals are tied at two. And now they go back to Phoenix for game five. This is an awesome series. All right, back to the questions. And now we're going into the point guard questions. And Ronaldo at Celtics fan in KR says, Who do you want? Whom do you want to be the Celtics starting point guard next season? Which I think is a goof because I've been pretty clear that it's Marcus Smart. If you've listened to any amount of my podcasting or read any bit of my writing, you know that it's Marcus Smart. And at Rational Celtics says, assuming Smart is the point guard, what do you think is more important for a fifth starter, shooting or size slash defense? So we're looking at, I think, if Smart is the starter, then it's Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams. I'm looking at a four. There, I don't think you you want to slide Tatum down to the four, although you can very easily. You can start Evan Fournier, and that would be a, a good solution. Or you go a different direction. You bring Fournier off the bench, and so I think I think my fifth starter. I want to try and find a stretch four. That's my goal. If you start Evan Fournier and you go. Smart, Fournier, Brown, Tatum, and your big, which is likely Robert Williams, fine. Totally fine. No problem with that. Bringing Fournier off the bench would be huge, I think. And I think that's a great role for him. And I will just fold in this question here from Nick McLeod. Uh, If the Celtics re-sign Fournier, do you think he has a shot to win sixth man of the year? I do. I do think that. Like, if we can find a stretch four, a starter capable stretch four, doesn't have to be a great starter, could just be a role player in a starting role, someone that can help stretch the floor and play a little defense and doesn't have to be someone that takes a lot of possessions. It's not somebody that you need to feed, someone that can just three and D type of four. That would be, I think, ideal because. That just pulls another big out of the paint. That gives Tatum and Brown chances to drive. That gives Marcus Smart room to drive. Pick and roll options where you have Rob with the lob, the rim rolling. I I just think pulling another big 
with a stretch four out of the lane will be very advantageous. However, if you're starting Evan Fournier, that stretch four basically is Jason Tatum. So you're kind of getting the same effect, but you're missing that guy coming off of the bench. And I think with Fournier scoring off the bench, you sub in Fournier, Al Horford, and your point guard, your backup point guard, whoever it is, Pritchard or point guard to be named later, I think that really helps the Celtics. So I do think Pritchard can be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. I think it's set up for that to be a, a possibility. And I think that that shooting, a, a, a guy with size who can shoot, if you can find him, that would be ideal. Pieter Tomsia, who says, cheers from Poland, another international listener. Um, I apologize if I butchered your name. Says, hey, John, my question is, if Marcus Smart wins the chip with the C's, does he get his number retired? If he stays for a few more years, I don't know if he gets a number retired, but he actually, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. I think they might be a little bit more judicious moving forward because you don't want to keep, oh, yeah, okay, so 34 is gone. 35 is gone. Let's 36. Let's go. Let's just keep, let's blow out all the numbers in the 30s. We're going to, in, in 20 years, we're going to have starting lineups with all guys with numbers in the 80s. But look, it's, it's not going to happen if, if the Celtics win a championship here and uh, he leaves in a couple of years. I don't know, probably not. But if he finishes his career in Boston and makes multiple defensive, uh, all defense teams and is, is in the mix for defensive player of the year, and is like a team captain type of guy and has five, six, seven more years with, with the team. That's well, he's what 27. So five more years will put him into 33 and they win a championship in that. I mean, that, that changes the conversation a lot about Marcus smart. So I, I would lean no, but I'm not saying it's out of the question. At Atlantic Files, if you had to choose, would you rather trade for Colin Sexton, DeJounte Murray, or Derek White? Uh, the rumors are out there that Murray and White are, quote-unquote, gettable. But I think that that rumor with, with Murray and White is, is in, an effort for the Spurs to kind of maybe package those guys and trade for a star or move up in the draft, package one of those guys with their pick, which is 12th, to move up in the draft. I don't think it's it's I don't think Boston has a real play here. But of those three guys, I think DeJounte Murray would be my choice just because some size. He's, he's he does it all. Like I really like DeJounte Murray. He does it all. A solid all-around point guard and starter level point guard. You can start Murray and move Smart over to the two, or you start Murray and bring Smart off the bench, or flip it, start Smart and bring Murray off the bench. If you could, f- if you could find a way to make that happen, in that scenario, I think I would pick Murray, and then you try to find another. If you find another star, great. If you trade for Sexton, you're trade. You kind of sort of hoping he develops into that third star, Derek White. Strong defensive player who can hit about 37% of his threes, 36% of his threes. So kind of a three and D guy, kind of like a Marcus Smart with a little bit better shooting, not quite as good defense, but still really good defense. 
So I think I think Murray would be would be great. I look, let me let me say something about Sexton. I think Colin Sexton is a possibility. I really do, but not over the course of the summer. It's a complicated deal. And I wrote about this a little bit on Boston Sports Journal. So if you if you want to subscribe to that, if you haven't subscribed, if you are a subscriber, you can go read there. But basically, Sexton is an interesting guy. He's 22. He's a hell of a scorer, but he's a ball hog. And there are you know rumors that he's not exactly the most popular guy in the locker room. I think that situation in Cleveland has made it difficult. I think you know the Kevin Love situation. You know, Kevin Love and he have had some serious kind of back and forth issues. Um, I think the coaching situation in Cleveland has been, you know, a little bit tough for them to figure out. I think it's just been a little tough in Cleveland in general. And so uh, they have Darius Garland. They're, they're going to roll with him. It seems like they're not going to try to pay Colin Sexton what he wants to get paid. And so does Boston want to pay him? How much is he going to get? Can Can they trade for him and pay him a reasonable amount, not the max amount that he wants. Because if you pay the max, then I think that's too much. If you're trading for him and you're going to say, yeah, we're going to pay you the max, then no, that's, that's not going to happen. The comp, the, the trade there is complicated because he's a rookie, but he's obviously a tremendous scorer. He has the potential to be really good. He's young. You put him in an established locker room like the Celtics, where he's obviously like he walks in and he's not the man. Right, you walk in there in the locker room with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and you got Al Horford looking at you from across the room, and you got guys who are established. It's a different feel in that locker room. So maybe that kind of straightens him out. Again, he's 22. He's going to grow. He's going to grow up. I think there's there's a strong there's a strong possibility that Sexton can can smooth out those edges. And and the reason why Sexton really really intrigues me. At the end of last season, the last game, meaningless game against Brooklyn, he ends up getting ejected, a questionable ejection on an elbow uh, to Durant's head. It was kind of like one of those, you know, bring the ball around. He caught, his elbow caught Durant's head. That's for sure. But he got ejected for it. I thought it was questionable. So instead of going back into the locker room being like, you know what? Season's over. Screw it. He sits there and stares and watches the end of the game from the tunnel. And there was a fire in him there. I could just see it. And I'm looking for these little things, right? Like I I see that and I see a guy who cannot accept that that happened. And he wants to be out there so bad in the most meaningless game of the season that he can't bring himself to even go back into the locker room and take a shower and do whatever. Well within his rights, he were rejected to go back and take a shower and be like, you know what? I'm done. But the watching of that game at the end, that just struck, that image struck me and I said, that guy's a, a competitor, man. As a competitor, that's a baller. There's something in that kid that I like. Now, yes, he's got his problems, but I'm going to keep an eye on that, that Sexton situation. I'm just going to keep an eye on it. If they bring him back and it doesn't go great and his value is low, just watching that as a possible get in on the ground floor, we'll see. But it won't happen till next season going to come back with to wrap up the mailbag after i tell you that built bar is the most delicious protein bar on the market get out there grab yourself a built bar tastes like a candy bar whatever your flavor profile is whatever one that you like the best you like fruity stuff 
Do you like coconut, like chocolate, or peanut butter? All options for you. Even if you've got a nut allergy, you can have a Built Bar because there are plenty of non-nut options there for you. You're going to get between 17 and 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180. So if you go to the gym and you burn a bunch of calories on in a cardio machine, you're not going to eat a protein bar that just wipes that out. And with those with that protein, if you're lifting, that's going to help feed your muscles. Four or five grams of sugar, four or five net carbs. Basically, it's a delicious, healthy, kind of candy bar tasting thing. It's amazing. So go to Built.com. They've got special flavors. Maybe you can get in on the Grasshopper Cookie, which is a Thin Mint style kind of protein bar. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Try it. You you can get the the assorted boxes, whatever flavors you want to try. Try them. Go back. Buy more later. Use that promo code LOCKED15 every time for 15% off at Built.com. <coughs> Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Let's wrap up the mailbag here with Jacob, who asks Kelly, reunion? Say we re sign Evan, use the taxpayer MLE on a Linux. Kelly could average 20 minutes, start at power forward, allowing Tatum to slide to small forward, and Evan comes off the bench. This does fill what I was saying before. I would not be opposed to a Kelly Olenek reunion. I would not be. If if you pay him four or five million dollars, you know, five five million dollars for Kelly Olenek, he's he has the potential to be like he we've seen him be pretty good. He has had good games. If you don't expect too much, you expect Kelly Olenek to just you know, just do what he does. I, I think that's that's a pretty good idea. Kelly Olenek, you you bring Evan off the bench. This is the entire scenario I just laid out before. You bring Kelly Olenek in as a starter at the four. What did we talk about the last time Kelly Olenek was around? Positional defense. He can play defense. He's not going to lock anybody down, but he's going to rotate. He's going to be able to play. He's going to move his feet. I say, why not? Why not? Uh at B Patrick Quinn, what young guy stay who is gone? I, I will say that I think Carson Edwards is gone. He's he's the only one that I think would be gone. Um, Tremont Waters, probably give him an opportunity to go somewhere else. Uh, Taco, I believe. Um, I, I, I'm confused a little bit. I think I think they can sign him to one more, one more two-way deal. We'll see what they do. Um, but I don't know. That's that's kind of up to Udoka. And does he does he want to spend time developing Taco Fall? That's kind of up to him. It's not it's not even up to Brad Stevens. Like they can have that conversation. And if Udoka says, "Yeah, I see something in him. Let's let's bring him back," then great. I, I don't know. I think I think Udoka might might want to go in a different direction, but I, I'm just guessing there. So, but I think. Romeo stays. I think Aaron Neesmith stays. Grant Williams stays. So, yeah, I think I think that's it. I don't think there's going to be a lot of end of bench turnover as far as that goes. Uh, at Plugger Wishart Scott Dante Exum, yay or nay? Nay, nay. I, I just there are other options. 
to go with the point guard. He he does show flashes sometimes when he's healthy, especially, but I he doesn't he doesn't stay healthy long enough. Um, I'd just rather I'd rather try to find somebody just more reliable than than that. Um, so I'm I'm out on Exum. Sorry, uh, King Kahuna. If you were GM for one day, is <laughs> a bad idea, and had one move to make for the Celtics. What would that move be? Um, I don't know. Find a package to trade for Bradley Beal. Get on the phone with the Washington Wizards and and try to find a non Jalen Brown package to see if if Bradley Beal is is willing to force a trade to Boston. I say this. I play conspiracy theory here. Not conspiracy theory, but let me just paint. I'll paint a picture. Let's just say it that way. Uh, Bradley Beal out with COVID protocols, missing the Olympics, which by the way, sucks, sucks for Bradley Beal. I'm going to wrap up the, I'm going to wrap up the show with a question on that. He wants to play with Jason Tatum. They had this opportunity. Then that goes away and they're like, damn it. Why can't this happen? All right, fine. We're going to finally make it happen. He forces his trade, uh, forces his way out of Washington and says, I'm only going to go to the Boston Celtics. Find a way to get me to the Boston Celtics. I'm not going to anybody else. I'm going to leave for nothing, or I am not going to report to anybody else. I don't want to go anywhere, just Boston, okay? Let's just pretend that that's going to happen. I don't think so, but let's pretend that that happens. Then I put a package around Marcus Smart and you know a couple of the young guys and some draft picks and say, here you go. This is the best we can do, and I steal Bradley Beal. So my GM for one day is a completely unrealistic scenario. I would be a terrible GM. I've said that before. I am not good at that part of the, the, this this whole thing. I know I'm not good at it. I'm not going to try to be good at it. So, um, but that that's what I would say. Winfred feels at I Winfred with the Beal news. Are the Olympics worth the COVID risk? They haven't even made it to Tokyo yet. Uh, I say this as word comes that the Friday night exhibition between the United States and Australia has been canceled out of an abundance of caution because Bradley Beal out and miss, he will miss the Olympics. Jeremy Grant out of an abundance of caution is in the, their health and safety protocol. And so they're just making sure that two teams don't have basically a super spreader event on the floor, just in case. I have said many times, I, I'm not happy with the NBA for what they did to players, putting them through this season. And I know the players agreed and they put on a good face and the players wanted to do this because they didn't want to lose millions of dollars. And so I understand that this was, the, they kind of had no choice. It was either play a season or no one gets their share of the hundreds of millions of dollars that are at stake. Fine. Both sides made their beds. Both sides agreed to it. I still believe that the NBA made decisions, the quick turnaround that put players' health at risk, jamming games in the way they did after the Celtics had games canceled, and then they just rescheduled them. And it wasn't just the Celtics. They did this to a lot of teams. They jammed games in and forced them to play four games in five nights and 
and those those types of scenarios and the restrictions that they put on these guys and and the crazy bending that they put the these players through just shows me that look i get that the money is huge and they it, but from a player perspective i would just feel disposable and the same thing with the olympics they they put these olympics on and they're they're doing it now with with the NBA finals going on, they're, they're just, they're, they forced these things to happen. So guys can go play in the Olympics and they're forcing the Olympics to go on, even though COVID is coming back. And for some reason, people aren't getting vaccinated, which I get it. It's a personal choice and blah, blah, blah. But Jesus Christ, get the damn vaccine because look at what's happening. I got the vaccine. I'm totally fine. Millions of people got the vaccine. They're totally fine. Guys who are not getting the vaccine, I don't know what you're thinking. Protect yourselves. Protect other people. But here we are. Another player gets COVID and out he goes. Your childhood dream of playing in the Olympics and getting a gold medal. Out the door, flush the toilet, however you want to say it. Players seem disposable. So, no, the Olympics are not worth the COVID risk. We don't know what COVID's going to do to these guys. We don't know what the long-term effect is. We don't know if these guys have their, like, Beal was there with his kid. His kid's playing with Jason Tatum's kid. Tatum had COVID. Did Deuce have COVID? What's the long-term effect? We don't know what the long-term effect is of this stuff. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's serious. I don't know. But I don't know why we're messing around here and trying to find out. It's not worth the risk. I hate that they're doing this. I hate that they're doing this to the players. And furthermore, this is why I don't I don't blame players for doing anything, anything, teaming up, plotting to go play somewhere, whatever it is. I don't blame them at all. And even if Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal conspire to go play for the Oklahoma City Thunder, I don't I don't care. I don't I basically after this season the way the NBA treated these players, the way they made these players go through what they went through and treated them like disposable, you know, just assets, barely human. These guys, go do whatever you need to do. Go get your money, get your bag, go wherever, play with whomever you want to play with, enjoy your career. And if that means playing for all 30 teams, then go play for all 30 teams. If you and your buddies want to get together on whatever, the Indiana Pacers, go play for the Indiana Pacers. I don't blame players for doing anything anymore because it's very clear that the league just wanted to, we're doing this, you're coming along for the ride, and if you're not coming along for the ride, no problem. We're going to basically take all your money. That's it. We're just, forget it. So to me, whatever Bradley Beal wants to do after this, none of this, none of this has been worth it. None of this has been worth it. And look, I understand that by putting on these games, people had jobs. By putting on these games, I continued to have a job. It's entirely possible that I wouldn't have had a job if these games didn't play, if we went for another season without the NBA. But I'm not saying they could have gone without the NBA. I'm just saying you could have done it better. You didn't have to play 72 games. Play 62 games. Do something different. Push it. Screw the Olympics. Send a different team to the Olympics. You know, find you can find a team of guys. 
You could have found a team of guys that could have gone to training camp at the beginning of July and had a real full honest-to-God training camp and maybe put a cohesive team together. A bunch of G-leaguers, a bunch of college guys could actually go out there and the cohesiveness they could have learned would have made them a good, formidable team in the Olympics. And if they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. But that's that's more important to me, just keeping them healthy. If you could do it where they're healthy and keep the NBA guys healthy and not put them at injury risk, then just do it that way for a year. I get really pissed off about this because, yes, they're millionaire athletes. And again, they signed up for it. I just, I obviously come at this from a player perspective. These guys have short careers. They put their bodies on their line, on the line. Their bodies are their work. Their bodies are their ticket to generational wealth. A lot of these guys come into the league with nothing. And their bodies are their tickets over the course of, some guys it's three, four years. Some guys it's 14 years. Some guys it's a little more. But it's their bodies that get them this opportunity to set up their families, their kids, future generations, to create charities, to go back into their communities and uplift people out of tough situations, to create foundations that give kids chances. It's these guys and their bodies that allow them to do all of this stuff. It's not just hey, LeBron James is going to be a billionaire. You know, so LeBron James also built a school. LeBron James is also doing other charity work and he's giving kids a chance. He's pulling kids out. Other players, Jalen Brown is doing it. Other players are doing this stuff. Not everybody, but a lot of guys are. When you mess with their bodies, you take away their ability. They take You take away their earning ability and you take away their ability to do other things. And... You have a finite career. No one plays forever. These guys, you know, I guess, you know, there are some guys who are out there that can play longer than others, but at some point LeBron's going to retire and you've only got so much time to make your money and LeBron's an outlier, but some guys like what Carson Edwards, how much time does Carson Edwards have in this league? You know, he's on the fringe. He's making money. He's making millions of dollars. This is going to set him up. When he's done playing, when his career's over, that's it. Like, you got to go out there and get a real job and be a coach or a broadcaster or whatever else that he wants to do with his life. Like, but this is where you earn the most money. It goes away at 35, maybe if you're lucky till, you know, a little bit later. That's it. Your earning potential is over, except for a select few. So I, I don't... I. Anything that screws with their ability to do this, that puts those guys' bodies at risk, bothers me intensely, intensely, because I know how fragile that is. I know how fragile health is. One little move, one way or the other, and that changes a lot. Careers change in a flash. It all goes away. So, no, it's not worth it. But they're going to do it. So, whatever guess I'm the idiot. Thanks for listening for this week. This is the Friday show. I want to thank you. Uh, I guess I don't have a game to talk about on Monday. Uh, although I think they're supposed to be scheduled to, to have an exhibition on Sunday. So we'll see. I'll have something to talk about. I always do because I'm here Monday through Friday. Uh, at some point, maybe I'll back off and do three days a week, but that's about it. 
but until then, I'm here Monday through Friday, so please subscribe. If you enjoy the YouTube show, please subscribe to that. Comment all of the stuff you're supposed to do on YouTube. Please do that as well. Share the podcast. Tell your friends that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.